Welcome to the Beyond Birth Podcast. Join us each week as we take the conversation of motherhood beyond birth. I'm your co-host, Liz Winters, a nutritional therapy practitioner, certified pre- and postnatal coach, BirthFit Regional Director, and Mama. I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Jenny Anderson, Mama, Doula, and fellow BirthFit Regional Director. Our hope is to inspire, educate, and empower women as they navigate pregnancy, postpartum, and parenthood with evidence-based guidance, informative interviews, and entertaining anecdotes from our perspectives as moms, entrepreneurs, and birth professionals. While you're listening, please keep in mind that the information on this podcast is for general purposes only and should not be considered medical advice. Thanks so much for joining us. Let's dive in. (laughs) We just play you a little song today. I mean, you're going to start recording. I want you to record our new song. Oh, we need a new theme song? I mean, just basically our theme song to your ukulele and smiling face. It's the Beyond Birth Podcast. (laughs) Oh my God, I love it. If y'all didn't know, Liz is a woman of many talents. Many, many, including a beautiful singing voice. Why, thank you. (laughs) And a very smoky, sultry speech. I'll be here all night. (laughs) (laughs) So creepy. creepy. I love it. (laughs) Oh, goodness. What up, Mama? Hi. I missed you. I miss you too. And I'm not going to lie. You're, you're, oh, you're in darkness a bit. So I still feel like I'm not seeing you. <laughs> I know. Well, it's because it's so damn sunny outside. My computer camera doesn't really even know what to do with itself. No, nothing knows what to do with itself in the Pacific Northwest when it gets too sunny. It's we'll so freak out. Hot. It's so hot. And it's not even that hot, but it's so Mm-mm. hot. Mm-mm. It's, it's, so we're melting. <laughs> like, oh God, it's 85. While the rest of the country is like 115. Yeah. They're like recommended don't go outside. But don't worry. Global warming isn't a thing. It's not real at all. No. No, this is just, this is totally normal, right? It's I mean, a liberal agenda. Oh, this is all Al Gore's fault. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> I can't. Oh, I can't. I get actually, I get stressed out thinking about it. It's one of those things that I, I um, that actually gives me like genuine anxiety, like fear of what I'm doing to the environment and what I'm leaving for my girls. And I get a lot of anxiety about um, mishandling of public, I mean, uh, national parks. Oh God. It like panics me panics me you could yeah. cut me off on the road 10 times in a row we'll go 10 miles an hour down the street like i there's no road rage and i see one blip that's like they're gonna take 20 acres and make and i'm like uh, sweating and my right. stomach hurts and it oh, and plant soybeans mm, or something hurts stupid. the heart yeah. something stupid yeah hurts the heart take care of the public parks Ugh. yeah well, you know teddy roosevelt is out. my uh favorite historical figure Oh, is he really? Fun fact. Fun fact. fact. He's amazing. So I think maybe that's why I'm attached to it because I kind of like have read about the conception of them and and the the beautiful like idea behind them and then how we're kind of just slicing right through that. Really, really eating that, eating that all up. Yeah, it's fine. Trees grow. Yeah, that'll regrow. That redwood, that'll be that'll be back in a few years. We'll just plant some seeds. That tree's only like fifteen hundred years old. It's fine. Oh my god! Um, by the way, though, thank you so much for taking care of everything last week when I was hot on the doula trail. You are just one successful <laughs> human. I'm just so inspired by you. 
Oh God, you're so sweet. I, I never really feel like I can take full credit for the births because I feel like I'm, I'm just watching these mamas step into their awesomeness. And, you know, I, I so much appreciate them saying that they appreciate me being there because that's why I do it. But I really can't take credit or like any sort of, you know, I didn't birth a baby. They did. They were amazing. Well, I feel like you make it, you make some magic happen in that space. I feel like oh, you are the so right sweet. doula like can make such a big difference for people like, or just the, like just the people you have in the room. I don't, I don't know that we really yes. talk about that enough or we've never talked about it on the show probably, but like the people in the room. Oh, we know we have because we talked about mother-in-laws in the room. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's like, like, I'm glad you brought mother-in-laws because I think it's not just the people who are in your room at your birth, but the people who you go to with your totally normal questions of what is going on. Right. And like mothers and mother-in-laws with all their good intention had babies 30 years ago and their only experiences with their own births or maybe their sister's births or your sister's births. Like there's not that many. And how can they really be unbiased? Lots of good information, lots of options. Like there's non-judgmental. like what mom do you know is non-judgmental on their kids. So it's just yeah. such a, it's not just who's in the room with you. It's like, how do you source your information? Right. Well, and it's even like, I imagine as a mother, it would be very difficult to take your mom hat off and be a like birthing support person. Not that it's not possible, but I think it's, it asks a lot of that support person to also like to ask your mom to be your doula, like requires them to take off their mom hat and also to like put away any fears that they may have about this birth, which can be really, really tricky. Really, really tricky. And like, and not only take off their mom hat, but take off their grandma hat. You know, that's becoming a grandma is a really big moment to mamas. And so asking them to step into this role of uh, non-judgmental, supportive, calm, trusting is kind of hard with all those emotions involved and all those hopes involved. And one of the best examples that somebody gave to me was like to tell mamas who are going to be into a, a delivery room to picture the first time you let your kid go swimming without their floaties. Oh, God. It was like, yeah, it was like that <laughs> moment where you felt like, oh shit, I trust them. I mean, I trust them. They've taken their swim class and they've graduated from guppy to tadpole and this is good, but oh shit, I'm supposed to just sit here and watch my child possibly drown. Now, mind you, you're on the edge of the pool. You're there to protect them, but you have to have this leap of faith. And I think the same thing happens and, and mama should remind themselves that they need to have that leap of faith when, faith when their daughter says, this is what I want for my birth and I want you there to support me. It's like, okay, I trust you. You can do this. I really do. It's going to be scary for me, but that's not, it's not my day. It's not my journey. It's not my victory. Right. How do you take off that hat when you walk into a room? Like you don't necessarily have that kind of relationship with the birthing person, but like when you walk into like these births last week, like how do you take off your own birth experience? I mean, can you? Um, I think that I can. I think that I, if it gets close to my birth experience, I think I have more of a like my brain almost assumes what's going to happen next. Totally. Um, and, and so that's the only time, but, but for like, to be honest with my experience with grace, that's what's made it. I think I'm better at being there for mamas who have a rainbow baby. Cause I like, I'm anticipating their feelings in each of the stages of labor, their feelings when the baby comes out, their concerns, all those things. And that's like been a benefit. Um, so I try to, like, I also, though, I also really make a big point that I'm not the main support person. Their partner is like, sure. I don't need the baby to come out and for mama to look at me and us to make eye contact and take a picture. <laughs> <laughs> I 
but how beautiful would that be? I mean, it would be so special (laughs) and I would frame it, but it's their day. And so I feel like I'm facilitating their dance that I'm actually not a partner in the dance. And that makes it a little bit easier to assess the whole situation slowly and with some um, maturity. You're the DJ. I'm the DJ. I'm the baby DJ. Switch the song. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. No kidding. This is a slow leave, dance. Leave space for the Holy Spirit. Oh, God. <laughs> Holy Spirit, yeah. get out of the way. Get out of the way. Let that baby out. Yeah, I think, I think that that's kind of what allows me to not feel like I'm intimately um, intertwined with her journey in labor, in the moments of labor. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Does that sound about right? Is that like, on this? <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm thinking about it. I, I guess because part of me always has a little bit of self-doubt and I'm wondering, am I really that good at not um, bringing my own emotions in the situation? And I will say that, like, I don't know if it's a positive or negative because I, my clients, most of them don't want an epidural. Sure. And I have good percentages of mamas not having epidurals. I have mamas who have epidurals, some who have wanted it when they hired me and some who didn't necessarily want it. And then they say, that's okay. I'm ready for my epidural. No judgment either way. But I definitely have had a mama look at me in transition and say, I'm ready for an epidural. And I I don't know, distract them, coax them down another path, um, (laughs) help them, help them over that hurdle. And I know that that's what they hired me for in general, but it's kind of a hard gut call to make in the moment to not just give it and be like, sure, honey, whatever you want. <laughs> right. Um, so I hope that that's always what they want and what they're hiring me for and what, and that kind of, um, resolve is what they're hoping I give them in that hour of, of, you know, doubt or whatnot. Um, but gosh, it sure is scary to worry that I'm not actually serving what their wants and needs are. I feel like it just requires a lot of trust and relationship development between you and a doula. I think that was one of the things that surprised me about when I hired my doula saying like, Oh, I will have a doula for my birth, but it's, you have a doula through your pregnancy. So you have a relationship with them and then for your birth, cause they need to know your birth plan in and out almost. I remember going over it more with my doula than I did with my practitioner because my midwife, because I didn't, well, my midwife didn't even know she was going to be my midwife at my birth for Edith. And so it was one of those, like, well, you need to know my birth plan because you're a 90% guarantee, like, unless something terrible happens. Right. Right. And I think that, um, you're the consistent person in the room. Yeah. And I think that when you discuss the birth plan, what you're discussing a lot of the times is your why. Right. And not so much like, you know, the answer is yes or no. The choice is this intervention or this intervention. It's the why. And that's where the doula really starts to understand who mama is, who she really is as a woman, as a mother, as somebody who's trying to go on this journey and have this experience of birth. And therefore, I feel like that's when I can kind of better show up and support them. And, you know, we've talked about why a lot in our life. Like I know that, um, you know, my journey into beauty counter basically starts with a why. Like there's a lot of different things in our life that start with, well, what's your why? And then once you establish your why, the details of everything kind of more easily present themselves. And so I think that if I understand a mama's why through enough of her own kind of self-reflection and discussion, then my gut intuition on how to support her in those moments seems to be a little more spot on than if I just like glance at a birth thing and say, She's an epidural. <laughs> I called it a birth yeah. thing, by the way. The birth, birth thing. thing. That birth, birth thing. 
Well, I think if I remember correctly, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but like in the birth it prenatal series, it talks about like coming up with your birth mission statement, right? Mm-hmm. And not like my mission is to birth a baby, but like, what are your values behind it? What, like, what does that birth look like for you? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I, the first question, you know, I've mentioned this before that I asked my clients is like, what do you, what's your dream birth? And it's reminding mamas that this is a lot more than a decision of whether or not to have an epidural or not, whether or not oh, totally. is a good idea for you or not. It's about this transformation of a maiden to a mother of, you know, a, a, truly being a moment where you're no longer going to have your thinking brain on. And that's really vulnerable and really like raw and authentic. And like, you can tell us who you want us to think you are, but it doesn't help anybody. It's, it's, it's about you. And, and so your honesty with yourself is actually the most important thing. And that mission statement, I think really helps mamas define like that. Why, who am I? And why am I doing this? And what is my goal for my baby's journey into the world in this magical moment? And um, I like that one. They also have that circle exercise. Oh yeah. The want and don't want. And I like that a lot too. I think that's really good for dads. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Real black and white. <laughs> well, yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, and it's, I liked having like my parents and partners, um, both do the circle exercise and then compare notes. Totally. Yes. So yes, definitely. Because I think that's like dad often gets left out. Not that like men need more support in this world. Like what about men? <laughs> but in the birthing world, the non-birthing partner, whether that be a man or a woman, um, often is not asked about their input. And I think that they have such an impact on the state of the room, like yes. their energy that they're walking into the room with, that they yeah. should also be supported. I so much agree with that because that might be the first time in this couple's whole journey that dad has been asked his opinion on what, mm. what he wants in birth or what he's hoping the birth looks like or a that looks like. And furthermore, you know, let's assume that these are really supportive partners with a, you know, fairly healthy as, you know, functional as dysfunctional can be, um, <laughs> relationships, you know, nobody's perfect. Um, but that his support of her, his reassurance that she's doing a good job, that she's okay, that she's safe, that she is, you know, doing perfectly, all those things that a laboring mama needs to hear. When he has that like conviction in his, in his voice and in his heart, she's going to know that she's going to hear that. And so having a dad start to take ownership of the birth process and of his role in the birth process and say like, instead of just, you know, saying, I don't know, I'm not having a baby, but like, no, your input's really important. Your understanding of what's going on is really important because you become her person, her brain a little bit, her rock, her resolve, her strength, her compassion, all these things that she wants for herself, she's going to be looking to you for. And so giving him that voice to start being a part of that conversation is vastly underserved. Yeah. 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 Partners. Hmm. Boys. <laughs> Boys or girls. Partners. Can I tell you how cute my daughter Mac is, by the way, as we're, we're uh, catching up on this? She's so cute. So I <laughs> try to like, I try to just let her be her, right? I really try not to um, overstructure, let's say. So the first mm -hmm. thing you need to know is that one of Mac's first words was Gina. And that was because when I was told when I was changing her or any time with my baby was to like tell her what we were doing. So I was always changing her, like, just wiping your vagina, getting in all the folds of your vagina. And I swear, like, her first word was vagina. Okay. 
So, I mean, my, God bless it, my Catholic school principal mother was a little like, huh? But it's okay. She, mom's gotten over it. It's a body part. It's not sexualized. Come on, mom. No, she was totally okay with that. She was just like, but why do we know it's so early, Jenny? I'm like, I I don't know. Just curious. But I told my mom the same thing. I said, let's not call it a, you know, hoo-hoo or vajayjay or whatnot, unless we're going to call her elbow like an an e-lay or something silly, because otherwise she's going to pick up on the fact that there's something different about this body part and that it's shouldn't be talked about or shameful or don't look at it or any of those things um and then she started calling male parts uh peanuts oh that's what Edie calls it too no (laughs) she says mom's got gina dad's got peanuts yep yep and i'm not sure if she's talking about his nuts or his penis but it's a whole i was like that's actually a better term for the whole male genitalia area is peanuts oh my god (laughs) so the other day she's sitting there and she goes some boys have peanuts and some boys have ginas. And I was like, yeah, yep, I mean, yes, you can say that. Totally. And, she goes, and so some girls have ginas and some girls have peanuts. And I was like, yep, yep, we would say that also. And Fred is in the background like, are you kidding me, Jenny? <laughs> like, like, this, this is, is a, a good- complex conversation. Totally. I was like, I mean, just let it go. So she'll be walking around the house every once in a while talking about, you know, some boys have peanuts, some boys have ginas. <laughs> So, you know, some birth partners are male, some birth partners are female, some birth partners have vaginas, some birth partners have peanuts. <laughs> peanuts. Can that be the title of our, uh, of our uh, podcast today? Peanuts or vaginas? Peanuts or vaginas. Some, some birth partners have peanuts. <laughs> I think, yeah, that's probably a good one. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's clickbait if I've ever heard it. <laughs> right? That's a good idea, sister. Um, but yeah, so, so being a doula has been great. I had two mamas who, of course they were due three weeks apart and had babies three days apart. Oh my gosh. Because that's what mamas like to do. That's what babies like to do, I should say. Yeah. And, um, both mamas were awesome and totally rocked it and totally fell into their groove and had their babies unmedicated like they hoped. And that was just like a, like a wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Awesome. (laughs) Awesome doula weekend. That's awesome. That's yeah. fantastic. What have you been up to? Oh. Oh. Well. I interrupted you. I'm sorry. I no, it's okay. I was going to ask, like, how you, how you, like, take care of yourself. I know we've talked about this before, but, like, how do you recover? Like, there's just, like, so much emotional and physical work being a doula. Have you found your routine yet? I guess is my question. The ba- so the bath still works, and I will oh, say that great. mama number one, it was – what happened was her induction got delayed, so I was kind of, like – we were ready, but we weren't actually doing her actual active labor to delivery was fairly short and didn't, and was, and stayed in the daytime hours. So like my whole rhythm never got thrown off. Yeah. So I was like, Oh, I'm fine. We're fine. And, um, mama number two, I, I had about, I don't know. Well, I had about 24 hours till her water broke and then another 12 hours until things got going or whatnot. So I had enough of a break and enough of a sleep to have it going. And, I don't know. You just get energized. You get invigorated by it. And it's good. And, and Fred's really supportive of it. And um, yeah, the bath really works to kind of digest some of those things and then trying to get outside. I think it really helps in the summertime, by the way. Like I think my winter months might have a different care package than my summer months. Totally. I could see that just with daylight and vitamin D and just, I think, yeah, I mean, the ability to get outside Like, girl, I was talking to mama number two, whose water broke um, with no signs of contractions. And I was walking around 
I know walking around outside my house with my bare feet and my grass, just talking to her. And I was like, well, this is, this is lovely. This is great. It's great. <laughs> yeah. But maybe like in this. December. Yeah. When I'm it's in the snow and I'm trying to be quiet because the babies are asleep, maybe it'll be a little tougher, but it was right. delightful for me. Yeah. That's glorious. So what have you been up to? Oh man. A little bit of everything. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. Working over here, working over there. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, it's been kind of a rough few months, which you and I have talked about on yeah. and off the air. But, like I have yeah. all that thyroid stuff going on. Yeah. Which is getting better actually. Like great for the plan. I'm feeling a lot better. Um, but then I, like, I Oh yeah, go ahead. I was going to ask, are you going directly to medication or are you approaching something else? Because I've just with mine, I've been on my hypothyroid medication for almost, um, a year now. And I'm, and I don't want to be on medication for the rest of my life. So I'm really trying to look into some more, um, alternative methods of treatment and trying to regulate it. I'm not severely hypothyroid. So it's like, I feel like I'm in a range that I could make some significant changes. Um, so just curious about the details of your approach, if you don't mind sharing. No, that's fine. Yeah. So I opted to go with medication and some, some some substantial lifestyle shifts, um, at the same time. And the reason I wanted to do the medication, because I, I had the same thought is like, I, she's like, okay, awesome. We're going to prescribe you this. And I'm like, Oh, hold on, hold on. Cause I'm, I'm pretty averse to jumping right into intervention. Totally. Um, like that's just, can we just not make that the first thing we try? Yeah. I just, and I really trust my midwife. Um, but I wanted to do some more research and I'm also not severely hypothyroid. Um, I do have Hashimoto's. Um, but again, I do. Yeah. So that was like the latest development. Um, but again, it like my TPO levels that like thyroid, um, the antibody levels were not extremely high. It was pretty low. So again, it's something in the long term that I can very easily manage with lifestyle shifts. Um, so that'll look like a little changes to my diet here and there, mm -hmm. um, and shifting up my exercise routine, um, and specifically kind of taking it easier on the exercise front. So I like some lifestyle stuff is I've added in yoga. You'd be so proud. Yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, which still like the class I'm going to still like gives me that intensity that I crave awesome. without totally killing me. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then I looped my coaches in at the gym about what was going on. So they know that it, like, since if I'm like moving a little slower or I'm not going to like do that seven minute AMRAP at full speed, why? And they've been yeah. incredibly supportive of it. That's one of the reasons I love my gym is that like, it's not just about like going balls to the wall all the time and no excuses. And why are you sandbagging? It's like really, they give you that individualized attention and really good support. And I think that that's such an important thing to remember when we are considering a fitness facility, because it can be really easy to be a, you know, special intro hopper. Oh, I'll try oh, this place. Totally. I'll try this place. I'll try this place. But the beauty of some of these facilities is community oh and, and some continuity and some like deeper level of care and understanding. And if you're at, like, if somebody is coming to my classes and they tell me I've got this going on, like, I'm going to research it and talk to people and ask them questions. And it's not just a, Hey, thanks for the heads up. Do your modifications like you need to do. And that is. Oh, you went away for a second. And that is what? My mother, my mother just tried to call me. That is no, my mother interrupting. <laughs> um, yeah, that is, that is like, I just think that that is 
what makes us continually come back for more when it comes to fitness, because we can all get a little burnt out on riding the same elliptical at the gym but when you have community <laughs> and you have this sense of support, you're like, Oh, I can come back in and do that elliptical as long as Liz is there cheering me on, telling me how great I'm doing and understanding those days where I'm like, I'm just going to sit on the elliptical. <laughs> right. Well, and that's like, I think part of the responsibility is for the athlete too to tell their coach. I mean, I, I've had clients before who asked for a switch in the middle of a workout and I, I kind of questioned them because I was like, like what, what's going on? Tell me. And then they like, wouldn't. So I thought they just like, were feeling lazy that day. And I was like, well, I was like, you got this like in a very supportive way. And then after the workout, they come up to me and tell me like, you know what? I'm struggling with adrenal fatigue and I really shouldn't have been doing that. And I was like, then give me the whole story, fool. Like not everyone wants to do burpees. And so sometimes I'm like, yeah, let's do the burpees. We got this. If I ask you something's wrong, you got to tell me something's wrong. Yeah. And just like when you, those days that you come in, you're like, I'm dragging a little bit today, but yeah. it's, it's just because, you know, A, B or C, can you, I think a really good workout would feel really good. Like you can go back and forth and have these conversations with, with these support people. And that makes them like, they want that information. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Like as a coach and then as an athlete, it serves everyone better. Right. Because yes. your coach doesn't want you to get injured because then you stop coming to the gym. <laughs> yes. And I don't mean to say that anybody should be like a lesson for other people, but I find that there's a lot of areas of our world where the status quo of how we operate isn't necessarily healthy for all. And so you might be the first voice to speak up in your class and say, yeah. today doesn't feel like a good day, or I have adrenal fatigue, or I have Hashimoto's. And everybody's like, what's that? And you're like, let me tell you. Um, right but you're actually paving the way for people after you to feel more comfortable doing things. And that's going to change our dialogue around health and wellness. It's going to change our support of each other. I tell dads that when they're going on, um, they're contemplating paternity leave and when do I go? Where do I go? And I just say, find another dad and have a conversation with him. Like start right. to make your company have this conversation. And that might not make any real significant impact to what your paternity care looks like. But like, if you have another baby in two years, it might look a lot different because of the groundwork you laid now. So be the totally. voice. Well, and I think that goes with like approaching exercise through pregnancy, like talk to your coach. Mm -hmm. And if your coach isn't giving you the support that you need, then like continue that conversation. Right. I can't tell you how many mamas I had not at our gym. Our gym is wonderful who have come into one of my postpartum classes complaining about their pregnancies where they were, you know, just kind of set into a corner being like, I don't, they, their coach literally didn't know what to do with them. So they're like, Oh, okay. And that's just so sad to me because you're still part of the community. That yes. was one of the reasons why in the, the prenatal power program that I wrote, I put in a modification guide and I was like, here, hand this to your coach because I know how important your gym community is. Like there's like, that's your family. Like yeah. those are your people. Like that's, yeah. that's my entire social circle, uh, especially as a parent now. Like I don't have time to go out and work out. So I work out and talk the whole time. <laughs> We're not hip. We're not hip. No, I'm not that cool. No, 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 no. Um, so going back to the, your modifications on workout, some diet uh, modifications and stuff, which I really think being the fact that you and I both have hypothyroidism, maybe a really interesting either podcast or maybe a little mini tube or something like that to talk about these things that we're trying and seeing how they're going with us and whatnot. But anyways, what, anything else that you've added to it? Um, diet exercise. No, um, just being more mindful of, hmm, making sure I'm eating enough is really a big part of it. Mindful of what I'm eating. So I've actually started tracking my food more, which I don't generally love to do. Um, but it's been really fascinating to see like what my macronutrient breakdown is and cause you don't want to be too low carb with thyroid things like trying to find the balance that makes me feel good and all of that kind of fun stuff. 
But um, one of the reasons I chose to go on the medication right now, because in like a longer term, I could have just focused on like these lifestyle things and like made some um, headway. It's like we're, we're trying to get pregnant um, relatively soon. And um, that medication can kind of kickstart my thyroid and work through it a little bit faster for the timeline that we want. Totally. You have to do what works best for you in the situation. In this situation, you're like, yeah, time is kind of of the essence for us. And this makes sense. Right. Right. And it's um, like I mentioned before, like your risk of miscarriage goes up substantially um, with unchecked thyroid stuff. And um, I know you know this, but like I found out Oh man, is it two weeks ago now? I don't even know. My brain's so garbled. I found out on Monday, a Monday, whatever Monday that might've been (laughs) that I was pregnant. And, um, we were so excited and I really, I didn't know how we were going to react because I mean, this is like, I were, you know, after everything that happened with Elliot, you know, lost my kid 39 weeks pregnant. I wasn't sure how being pregnant again was going to feel. Um, like we know we want to have more kids, but I was like, okay. But when I got the positive test, I could not tell you how excited I was. Like just both Shane and I were like overcome, happy tears. I called him upset about something and he's like, he couldn't figure out why I was so upset. And I was like, no, 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 these are happy tears. Sorry. But I was telling him something sad about something else. So we were so thrilled and I was really worried I wasn't going to be able to get pregnant with thyroid stuff going on. Mm -hmm. Um. But then something felt kind of weird on Wednesday and I couldn't tell you what it was. I was just like, I told Shane, I was like, I don't know if this baby is going to stick. I really hope it does, but I don't know. Fucking mama intuition. Fucking my intuition is scary sometimes. Um, And I like, for anybody who's early pregnant, like this was insanely early. Like the fact, the, I, if I wasn't tracking my cycles and knew that we, like knew a lot about everything, right? I'm like very in tune with what's going on. I probably wouldn't have known I was pregnant. Um, and then it's a blessing and a curse, right? It really is. And then that Thursday, um, I miscarried and it was awful. (laughs) It was so fucking awful. Um, and like, I'm fine now, but it was one of those, like, (sighs) It compares not even, it doesn't compare. It doesn't compare at all to what happened um, with Elliot and everything in the fall. But they're definitely like that resurgence of like distrust of my body and wondering if we're going to have to go through this again. And all of that, all of that was right there. And um, definitely it touches on all those same emotions. Yeah. And all those same fears and all those same questions and it's not what you wanted to happen after no. you got pregnant again after Elliot. Like, come on, that would not be what we would hope for you. Yeah. But uh, your body knew something else. Right. And I think that's what I'm one of those like, okay, this is, I don't know if this is such a shitty thing to say, but it's how I felt. I was like, at least it happened now and not at eight weeks or 12 weeks or God help me if that ever happens again at 39 weeks. Yeah. Um, I don't think that you're wrong for saying that because I had two early miscarriages and then had jacked. And I definitely had this thought of like, Oh, why did I even cry over the early ones? Like it, it <laughs> really it put those in a different perspective yeah. for me, but like, but and again, like I was still sad about them. And, but yeah, the earlier you realize that the earlier, if it's going to happen earlier is preferable probably for me. Right. Right. Yeah. 
like, I don't mean to make judgment for other women. And definitely, I never want anybody to feel sad, feel bad when they listen to this or feel like she doesn't understand what I'm going through because I don't, because I'm not in your shoes, but personal experience earlier seems to be a little bit easier in the, yeah. in the whole scheme of things. And it's like never easy. I think if mm-hmm. we had made it past like the heartbeat appointment, then it would have been a whole different ball game. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that, that whole like cycle was really shitty. And I'd like mm-hmm. already, I'd made all my appointments. And so I had to call and be like, Hey, I need to cancel those. And they're like, well, did you go to the hospital? I was like, no, I didn't go to the hospital. Like I was fucking fi- literally just hit five weeks. Like, no, I did not go to the hospital. But we never really talked about this before. Um, and maybe some listeners kind of need to understand why they would recommend early, early miscarriage, go to the hospital, ectopic pregnancy concerns. Oh, sure. Um, that if you have feelings of severe cramping in one spot, bloating and or um, fever, yeah. that it could be a sign of an ectopic pregnancy, which is something that tried to implant in your fallopian tube or really just like elsewhere, but yeah. usually it's a fallopian tube. Um, but generally it's a little farther along because what happens is that the egg implants tries to grow is limited by the space available in the fallopian tube. And then uh, the body finally realizes something's amiss and tries to miscarry. Yeah. Your body's really smart. Tries really hard. Tries really hard. It's really, well, mama, I'm so sorry. Oh, I appreciate that. And like, we're like, again, I said, we're fine. Um, it was not what we wanted to have happen, obviously, but you know, I, I think I was already prepared for the possibility of it happening Mm -hmm. because I'd done so much research into my like thyroid stuff. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, even in my, I met with, um, some maternal fetal medicine specialists and they have a specific name that I never remember. So I just called them that, (laughs) um, in the month after, um, we lost Elliot and just Portland or Springfield. What? In Portland. Oh, oh, in Portland at legacy. Legacy. So just like to see our like risk moving forward and we didn't have any, any more risk than anybody else does. Um, which is, you know, both wonderful and terrible. I was about to say like, like, cool. No more. (laughs) Um, but you know, they had prepared me that like it it could still happen and it's going to be really, really shitty. And I think just going into like understanding how to cope with that and moving through that. I don't know. It was just like, I I felt prepared to handle it. Do you feel like you're still processing it? I think, yeah, always a little bit. Um, It's not on my mind every day by any means. Um, Do you feel like, are you past it in terms of the actual miscarriage itself and your feelings of bloating and any kind of pregnancy symptoms? Yeah, no, no, no. I'm totally, totally gone past that. Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. Could you strum the ukulele? Oh, because we're back. We had to pause because oh, I mean? don't pay for Zoom. <laughs> and we're back. We're back. Um, okay. So where we left off was about uh, Edith's, whoa, Edith's <laughs> awareness of the pregnancies and yeah. this one versus Elliot, what she knew about Elliot. Just, I don't know if we've ever talked about that. Yeah, I don't think we have talked about that. Um, I think mainly because we haven't really done the story of the full story of Elliot. I feel like we've hinted at it so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like if you listen to the entire podcast, you can put together the whole story. <laughs> um, so we'll tell that eventually. But um, yes, we really like to loop Edith in on everything. 
However, she did not know about this last pregnancy because I didn't, I think if we had gone to the heartbeat appointment, if we'd made it that far, we would have told her. Um, and I told her actually, actually, you know what? No, I told her that I had a miscarriage. I didn't explain what it was um, with this last one, but she asked me why I was sad. And so I told her. Um, and I think that for, for me, that's really important to just tell her things when she asks, because it may not make sense to her three-year-old brain, but when she's 13 and looks back, I want her to understand, you know, oh, mom was sad. She said this. Oh, now I know what that is. Okay. And kind of give that context. Uh, totally. I think it's the same way that like some people will refer to deceased family members where like you tell the baby that they're, you know, grandpa's not here. Grandpa, grandpa died or grandpa passed away or whatever word you want to use. Maybe died is even too harsh, but they start to just like my grandmother died before I was born. And I knew that she was not here before mm-hmm. I even understood what death was. Right. Right. You know? And so then it wasn't so shocking. You just like, it kind of helped you put two and two together when it came to really deep life events like marriages and death. Yeah. And I think we did the same thing with, with, um, when we lost Elliot is we, we told Edie exactly what happened, at least what we knew. Um, and let her process that. And she will tell you, you can ask her like, who is Elliot? Elliot's my little brother. Where's Elliot? Oh, Elliot died. And like, we saw that at, um, actually at her, she had her three year, like well child visit and I hadn't seen the peed in a year. And so last time she saw me, I was pregnant. And so she was like, uh, and so I told her what happened and Edith piped in right there. She's like, yeah, my baby brother died. It's really sad. We miss him a lot. Like she has the narrative and it changes from day to day. And, you know, she processes it differently and it certainly has changed, you know, since everything happened. Um, and I, I don't know that she really understands the concept of death threat right yet, you know, cause she's three. Um, but again, she knows he's not here. And so we really right. like to loop her in, but no, we did not tell her we were pregnant again. Um, and we did not tell her, I did not explain to her what a miscarriage was. Cause she didn't ask, you know, mm-hmm. she just was mm-hmm. satisfied with that answer. She's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Mommy, I love you. Let me get you some water. Like she's yeah. this gem of a human. Yeah, they're so empathetic. And I was crying recently and, um, you know, Gracie's, I don't know, what is she, 21 months? And she came over and she doesn't have a full vocabulary. And she's like basically trying to say, mama cry. And she's trying to pat me. And I just like, I, I almost, I don't hesitate to show emotions in front of them, but I'm, I'm aware that they are so empathetic and so sponge-like when it comes to our feelings and how we're doing and what they're used to us doing and not doing like crying or not crying. So, um, I really admire and really think it is important for us to share as much as we can with them to show them that feeling emotions normal, to have a range of emotions is normal, to comfort each other is normal and to smile again is normal. Right. Well, and I think that's something that I did not do a great job of during my pregnancy with Elliot. Like I, there was some really, really shitty, shitty days and weeks where I was I was not in a good headspace. I was home with Edith a lot. And like, we like got into it a couple of times. She's like, she's two guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it was really, really, I, I just don't ever want her to think that like I was upset with her. And so 
but I w- wouldn't do a good job being why I was upset because I don't think I knew why I was upset. Um, and so moving from like after we, there were a couple like in- incidents where I was like, okay, this is not displaying healthy emotions or processing or any of that. And I want to model that knowing that it's okay to be upset. It's okay to be pissed. It's okay to cry. It's okay to have a full range of emotions, but like loop your people in around you. Right. And, and be able to be honest with yourself in some way. So yeah. I try, if ever I lose my shit with my girls, which, you know, maybe happens often, um, <laughs> to look at them and say, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. I, I, those were not nice words. Or I try to bring them down to the same vocabulary, vocabulary that I try to have them use of kindness, gentleness, um, carefulness. And it's been really cute to watch like Mac, especially say, it's okay, mom. It happens. I'm like, oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it uses the same thing. It's, it's okay, mommy. It's okay. You're sad. Like, why don't you take some space? I was like, yes, baby. I do need a little space right now. She's like, okay, I'll get you some water. Water will make you feel um, better. Like, it's just one of those, I think that they absorb and understand so much more than we could possibly give them credit for. Totally, totally. And I, I'm sure I've told you this, but I frequently tell both of them, like, thank you so much for helping to raise me. I'm helping to raise you and you're helping to raise me and we're doing this together. And I make mistakes sometimes too. And I really appreciate that you're always so, um, you know, so there for mommy. Yeah. Sweet little nuggets. I like want to go hug all our babies right now. I know. I know. I miss her. I'm probably, I'm not going to see her very much tonight. Because she'll get home late. She gets home around six, but I'm going to yoga at six. And so I get home at like bedtime. Good, good girl, mama. Good girl. It's a process. We had a great it morning is. that started at 5.30. That's what time she woke up? Yeah, apparently. She crawled hey into girl. bed with me and was like, good morning. Shane's already at work at that point, but um, just like, hello. Hi. Why? It's still dark outside. <laughs> no. No. It's still dark outside in the middle of summer. That's yeah, so you know it's yeah. too early. Too early, girl. It's too early. Too, too early. early. So what do you got going on the next few weeks? Well, an exciting news. Yes. We are going to Disneyland. <gasps> yes. Yes. I love Disneyland. I, I will be all gone all next week taking Edie to Disneyland. We're going to be there from Saturday to Thursday. Holy crap. You're going to Disneyland for five days? Well, we're going to be in the parks for three days. So okay. We're going to be at our hotel that has bunk beds <gasps> and a pool with water slides for five You're going to have to send me a link for that because we're going down there in November. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, here's pro tip for everybody. Book yeah. through Costco. Costco. Book your hotel and your Disney tickets through Costco because Got it will it. literally save you thousands of dollars. Got it. Shit you not. Will do. Thank you, Costco. Thank you, Costco. So other than that, just kind of leaning into this season. I don't know. Like life is kind of in a, another transition moment and I'm just trying to be yeah. okay with that. I feel like once I get into a rhythm, things start to shift again and I'm getting better at handling those shifts. But, you know, in, in the episode last week, I was talking about like, this is a season about like squishy bodies and this is how your body is showing up right now. And that's okay. But like, really I'm working on embracing the fact that it's not just like how we show up physically, but how we show up emotionally, like from week to week in the month. Um, and then even just in life. And if I were more of a witchy person, I would talk about like cancer season or something and Leo season, but I, I just... I'm not, so I won't go there, but I, I, I get your drip though. I get yeah. your vibe. Yeah. My business coach like is a practicing said, witch. So both of us, um, about, a, it's amazing. Yeah. But I'm like you and I both about a month ago had some pretty, um, 
you know, like emotional things, just big things uh-huh. going on. And I think that probably having postpartum, probably being a mom has made me better at not trying to um, schedule my way out of it or like fight my way out of it. Or it, it's really um, encouraged me to sit into the moment, recognize the moment for what it is, let, let the waves kind of crash around me for a while until I feel that everything has settled a little bit and I can take a little bit more energy from the situation and not be so bullheaded determined to make it go my way or make it go this way that I have envisioned for myself, but right. letting myself be changed by the tides of energy of, of times of moons of my family of whatever it might be and being more flexible to that. Have you read Kate Northrup's book yet? I have not. Ugh. We need to do that for book club. It's a good one. Well, yeah. Cause she talks about planning your productivity around your cycle. Oh yeah. And I mean, there's some like actually legit science, not woo woo bullshit. Like, yes. Woo woo with science. Woo science. I, I love science. Woo. So I love that. Um, so we should add that to our list. Check. Done. Speaking yeah. of, bur- of, of book club, crib sheet. I got a little behind, but I'm, that's I, okay. This is happening. This is happening for sure. Um, I am like in love with, I was really skeptical about it. Just a little yeah. preview. Yeah. Cause I just, I wasn't, I wasn't sure what to think. Um, but I am in love with the book in the first three pages because this woman is one swearing. So I really appreciate any book that's going to swear at me because she's speaking my language. And then two, just like, I feel like she is just a fly on the wall of my life. So it's feels really good so far. So I'm excited to like talk about it more and maybe we can get Emily Oster on the podcast. Cause that would be fucking rad. I muted myself. I did a Liz and muted myself. I said, that'd be so awesome. That would be so awesome. So, so awesome. awesome. All right, Lobo, it was so good to chat with you, and we will um, definitely get on board with the – I will get back to my reading schedule and whatnot, but um, yes. I love these little catch-up episodes where I just I get to hear what's going too. on in your life and kind of know what's going on behind the scenes, like how you play the ukulele, and I never knew. So these little things, sure these do. little gems that come out, I love it. I'll play you a little song. Maybe I'll play a Beyond oh Birthday. God. Let's do a little outro, if you will. Oh, I will. Mm-hmm. I'll just mm-hmm. record that later. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. I'll, I'll enjoy it with everybody else when it comes out. Ha! okay all right love i will talk to you soon okay sounds good babe bye all right take care bye thanks so much for tuning into the beyond birth podcast if you love what you're hearing we'd be so thrilled if you'd subscribe rate and leave a review for our podcast wherever you enjoy listening until next time 